Section 8 of The King of Alsander by James Elroy Flecker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 8 How Norman Failed to Pass a Qualifying Examination for the Post of King of Alsander and Was Whipped, Together with a Digression on the Excellence of Whipping. Les cris ne sont pas des gens. Paul Fort. Norman was about to laugh at this unusual question when he seemed to catch the eyes of the board of examiners at once, for he could think of them under no other designation. All the eyes seemed to be looking at him with such peering intentness that he began to believe that they were all unintentional and not intentional lunatics, and therefore dangerous. So he simply bowed. If it is a joke, thought Norman, that will be in keeping. If it is not, it will be expected of me. And he thought himself clever. Very good, said the little man abruptly. I think, doctor, he continued, turning to a prominent Hebrew on his left, that the preliminary examination should be conducted by you in person. I will begin at once. Take off your clothes, said the doctor, addressing the last remark to Norman in a tone of command. But really, began Norman in expostulation. Absolutely necessary, I assure you, continued the doctor. For the proper exercise of monarchical functions, nothing, not even courtesy, not even common sense, is more important than a sound physical condition. To judge of that condition, it is imperative that you should take off your clothes. I may add, he continued, not unkindly, that considering your general appearance, I do not think that you will have much difficulty in satisfying the examiners on that score. Norman was so puzzled by the evident gravity of the heavy-bearded doctor's speech and demeanour that he began to believe that a certain mad seriousness underlay the whole proceedings. It seemed to him unlikely that a dozen lunatics possessed of a common mania should find such a facility of meeting together in solemn assembly, even in Alsander. The poet, whom he still believed to be the prime instigator of this curious comedy, though eccentric, was no madman. So, having rapidly summed up in his mind the pros and cons of the case, Norman cautiously took off his coat. However, nothing less than complete nudity would satisfy the doctor, and Norman, with growing reluctance, shed garment upon garment, till, in the words of the eastern poet, the shining almond came out of his dusky shell, and the petals of the rose lay strewn upon the ground. However, at a word from the shopman, who seemed in authority, Norman was permitted to retain as much clothing as would satisfy the by-laws of a very free bathing resort. The doctor then rose, came round the table, and, seizing hold of the unfortunate, tapped him, pinched him, prodded him, poked him, felt his muscles, sounded his chest, examined his tongue, blew in his ears, slapped his stomach, and tried his pulse. All this to the intense aggravation of his victim. But when the doctor finally commanded him to run round the room as he was, and climb along the rope that dangled from the ceiling, the boy succumbed to overmastering indignation. 
i'm not going to stand any more damned nonsense from you or anybody else cried norman this joke has gone quite far enough and though it may amuse you vastly to make a fool of me i'll knock down the next one of you who tries it on the effect of his words was as instantaneous as he could have wished there could be no mistaking the anger that flashed in the eyes of these curious examiners even norman in the heat of his excitement noticed that though he failed to notice that the youthful president's face for the young shopkeeper seemed to be president to judge from his central chair remained unmoved save for a slight ocular twinkle it was the president however who addressed him i am afraid he said that we shall have to ask you to dress and leave us at once i won't leave the room until you apologize to me and if you don't apologize i'll punch your head and norman all but naked as he was began to bend up and down a very decent right arm and seemed well capable of executing his threat you should be more patient sir observed the president waving towards norman his gold embroidered sleeve with a conciliating smile i assure you that it is to your advantage to obey us and very much to your disadvantage to be rude i admit that our demands coming from total strangers seem both impertinent and extravagant but i assure you that they are necessary and i should like to impress you with the earnestness of this apparently inane procedure the doctor only desires to see your muscles in motion i assure you your body is not a thing of which you need be ashamed should you disobey you will be in serious danger i don't believe you you dare not touch me i am an englishman retorted norman refusing to be conciliated i am afraid replied the president ringing a little electric bell which was under his hand that we shall have to give you immediate proof of the earnestness of our intentions and our power to cause you a disadvantage at once four guards entered the room whom norman from their uniform and faces recognized to be the very palace guards who had let him and the supposed beggar pass into the palace the day of their memorable visit unfortunately for norman they wore no longer the air of benevolent sleepiness which had characterized them on that former occasion though obviously wide awake and attentive to command do you still refuse to perform the exercises demanded of you inquired the president yes said norman stubbornly haul him up said the president quietly but with anger in his eyes norman found his wrists seized before he could make the slightest resistance and he was swung up onto the back of the tallest of the guards do you refuse also to apologize said the doctor yes let him go away quietly said the president why should we hurt him we cannot expect him to understand us i insist on an apology i will not leave the room without it said norman as for you you soppy little fool his bewilderment rapidly gave place to alarm he wished he had not been quite so rude to the president who after all had been polite still he hoped he might be simply undergoing some form of test by verification like the legendary masonic hot poker at least i suppose it is legendary but when from the tail of his eye he beheld from his undignified perch a horsewhip in the hands of one of the guards he tried to remember the sufferings of his days in the village school at blandon which after all were not of such remote antiquity he wondered like the schoolboy how many 
if that is he really was to suffer after all his apprehensions were confirmed and relieved by the president who exclaimed in a wickedly gentle voice i am very sorry but i suppose you must give him a dozen the manic examiners were quite capable he had felt convinced of beating him to death and a dozen why a dozen was about the extent of the good old pedagogic punishments which he had endured stolidly in his time and many of them a new question surged through his mind what was the brawny guard about to aim at was the supreme indignity to be conferred upon him before all these pompous personages to emphasize his unfitness for dignity norman hoped so for to tell the truth he didn't care a damn about the dignity but he thought it would hurt less and was more used to it meantime he had never felt so cold and the rough cloth of the guard who was holding his wrists so tightly grated unpleasantly against his naked chest his dignity was not damaged his shoulders were he discovered his old pedagogue to have been the mildest and most inefficient flagellator in the world let us leave him to his punishment and philosophize a little philosophy and the whip is there not always some subtle connection has not a whipping always meant for us something more than a whipping is it not a symbol think of this youthful reader if you are still in the happy days of subjection and possibility and may it comfort you in the hour of trial the spartans formed their character the romans ruled the world with whippings with little whips the kings of egypt made the jews work with their hands honest manual toil to which that race no longer much inclines he built his pyramid and flogged a great nation into life but the east the golden east in the golden days that was the world for whippings in other climes and other times whipping has been a symbol of degradation in murderous russia it has been they say it is something too foul for the philosopher to look at but when there were caliphs in baghdad then whipping was the joyous symbol of democracy are you rich and powerful the caliph's friend tread delicately on those rich carpets the day comes when to put foot on the finest boccara may be a torment to make you howl are you a poor peddler selling glasses from a tray repine not at your barefoot treading of the cobbled lanes it is all practice for the souls you shall fare better than your proud neighbour on the day of affliction quick bow your head put your hand in the sleeves of your tattered abba the great vizier is coming the window of heaven the tulip of the garden of government the sun's moon the vizier and behind him o oh allah the blazing luminary of the universe itself where shall you hide from those dazzling rays the caliph comes some insolent retainer has kicked over all your glasses your little fortune has gone no longer will you cry o sunset o sunrise o ocean drops my glasses o emeralds o rubies o sapphires o my glasses your wife will curse you your children will starve your dreams of a little ease are shattered with the shining crystals your fortune lies with them prostrate in the dirt you crouch in the doorway but ho what is that 
the vizier's horse has shied he is kicking he has kicked the son of the universe off his saddle all that splendour is smirching the bashful mud forgetting yourself you rush to help him your dirty horny fingers pick up perfection careless of sacrilege you wait and tremble for perfection is himself again the vizier is pale the monarch gives a sign to the blackest of his black negroes down comes the tulip of the garden of government the vizierial beard is in the dirt the sun's moon's feet are all in air and looped into a pole the blows fall the tulip howls and you the caliph has embraced you and made you vizier on the spot such is a whipping in the east so much then for whipping from the point of view of historical geography it has other aspects too vast for mention here the individual aspect or the whippings inflicted on the famous on psyche by venus on aristotle by phyllis on st paul by the romans on henry plantagenet by the monks on milton by his college on voltaire by a lackey on shelley by a schoolmaster we read of the latter that he writhed on the floor not because he was hurt but out of shame ethereal shelley or take the literary aspect take the heroes of famous books what wax and thwacks they encounter especially in all books that are an epitome of world life from apuleius to don quixote from gilblas to tom jones from candide to richard feverell there is no great book without its whipping and there are those who say children should not be whipped they are right dear youthful reader they are entirely right it is we who should be whipped we adults we pompous people we who are so ready to torture the young and who have quite forgotten the bitterness of the torture we inflict it is we who should be whipped we who dread the dentist we whose waistcoats bulge and blossom into gold watch chains and criminals oh we flog them still but only the poor violent rough fellow who does a bit of straightforward business it is that fat financier whose juicy back i want to see streaked with red like a rasher of bacon it is that ape-like vestryman whose yells would be music to my ears it is above all the proprietor of pills that i would strap down to his alliterative and appropriate post the pillory none of the above reflections occurred to norman his literary knowledge did not help him he seemed to have spent whole years being whipped he felt as if his lungs would burst but the executioner laid on steadily and evenly till the victim's back looked like a sheet of music paper then he was abruptly let down and writhed for half a minute with rapidly decreasing pain and about this let the philosopher say one word more whipping is not strictly torture it does not deform it leaves no ill effects and therefore many a parent who would shudder to use rack or thumbscrew to our children think nothing of whipping them but it need not hurt much less norman in absolute silence put on his clothes the examiners meanwhile filed out of the hall the young shopman president alone remained for a mad moment norman thought he saw tears in the president's eyes 
and pity in his face. But his own vision was dim, and certainly it seemed improbable that the brute who had ordered the whipping should be affected thereby to tears. When Norman was dressed, the President said, Follow me, I will let you out. Norman obeyed silently. They went out alone together into the little shop. The boy had already begun to plot revenge, and now thought he saw his opportunity. Calculating the moment and the distance, he suddenly sprang like a tiger on the President. His effort was attended by no success. He found himself lying on the floor as swiftly as a skater who has tripped on a stone. Do you think I was not prepared? said the President, smiling, as Norman picked himself up. And somehow, for all that his back was still aching, the charm and beauty of the young man, his soft voice and his insinuating smile, changed Norman's wrath into a sort of shame. So that's all I'm to get for coming with you, said Norman, like a rueful schoolboy. You've forgotten even the present suitable for a lady. You're a wonderful person, muttered the President. It's a pity we had to reject you. And opening a drawer, he drew out a very beautiful jewelled clasp. Norman muttered, How much? And felt in his pocket. He knew the receipts of Price's Bon Marché would not have paid for it in fifty years, if the stones were real. You have earned it this time, said the President. And please not to take me for a shopkeeper again. And, opening the door into the street, he waited for Norman to go out. The boy hesitated. Tell me, to whom does all this belong? He asked, voicing questions that troubled his mind. And where is the old poet? And why did he choose me as a subject for his unpleasant jokes? Good evening, said the President pointedly. I have nothing further to say to you but this that if you say one word, one little word, to a soul of what has happened to-night, there are worse things awaiting for you than whipping. And with these ominous words he closed the door and shut Norman out into the street. This comes, said Norman bitterly, of following the advice of poets. End of chapter 8